I want you to give your pastor and his awesome wife a round of applause tonight. The world changers, come on. You know how blessed you are to have the Wallace family at the helm of this great ministry. These two are not only impacting Chattanooga, they're impacting the state of Tennessee, they're impacting the United States of America, they're impacting the nations of this world, and it's a great honor to be able to partner with he and Devin in making a difference for the kingdom of God. And I believe that tonight, we're about to drop a revelation on this place that this house is going to absolutely explode. Are you ready for a great word tonight? Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stretch your hand this way, and I want you to pray for me. This is my seventh message, seventh service in four days. And so I am, I am running on empty, but I feel the Holy Ghost about to come on and supercharge me right here. And he's going to help my voice, <clears throat> and he's going to help me in this moment because there's a word that God has put in my spirit for this house and for the nations. You ready? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight in advance for the glory that's going to fill this house. We thank you in advance, Lord, for the impact that this word is about to bring. We thank you in advance for the revelation knowledge that's going to be understood. We thank you that your word is going to effectively work in all who hear and believe tonight. We give you glory and we give you praise and we give you all the honor that's due under your high and holy name. Everybody shouts, amen. Won't you turn around and tell your neighbor you look absolutely beautiful tonight. You look absolutely beautiful tonight. My precious wife and son are at home and they are live streaming this tonight with you and the rest of my church family that may be tuning in tonight. My son is in his first year of tackle football. And uh, I believe already at the age of eight, he is being confused for Von Miller uh, that plays for the Buffalo Bills. He has practiced tomorrow night. Too many NFL scouts will be there to watch him play. And so they can't be here with us, but uh, it's too important. And so he is at home. And she is at home readying him for their game this coming Saturday where they will transition into 5-0. and oh. They're currently 4-0. and oh, And the left side of the field has been completely locked down for four weeks straight. If you want any videos, I'd be glad to show you some videos tonight as soon as this service is over. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Mark with me tonight. I'm going to talk on the subject of understanding the earth lease. Understanding the earth lease. This earth has been leased to us. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, when God created man in his likeness and in his image, the Bible states that he gave man, male and female, he gave them dominion over the earth, which is the right to rule this earth. It is our responsibility to make this earth subservient to the will of the Father. It is our responsibility to bring this earth into subjection to the will of God. Somebody say amen. amen. And most of the church does not understand the mandate of the kingdom that is upon them. But this church understands it. This church teaches it. And I believe as we come out of this service tonight, not only will you understand the severity of the hour in which we are living, but I believe that you're going to have a greater respect and understanding for the mantle that God has placed upon this house and the call that he has placed upon your life. Time is short. Somebody say time is short. How many of you believe that this world is in a suicidal race for ruin and that, and that the only answer, the only hope that that this nation has, that this world has, is found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you believe that tonight? In Mark chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says this, And he began to speak unto them by parables. We understand that parables, they reveal the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he began to speak unto them by parables, that a certain man planted a vineyard, and he set a hedge about it, and he digged a place for the wine fat. He built a tower. And then the Bible says, he let it out to husbandmen, and he went into a far country. This is talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. He, as, as he says in another, in, in another passage, he says, he came into this earth. He established a kingdom, and then what did he do? He returned into a far country. 
The Bible says in the book of Acts, in the first chapter, he said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus that you see ascend shall also descend in like manner. Where did he, where did he ascend back to? He ascended back to the home country, which is called heaven, which is a far country from here. And so the point is, is that I want you to look here with me in verse 1. The Bible states that, that he let it out. Everybody say, he let it out. This word, let it out, literally means that he leased it out. You can look it up yourself. The scripture says that, that he leased it out. This parable is revealing the mystery that most in the church do not understand. Most in the church do not understand that this earth has been let out to humanity. It's been let out to mankind. Make no mistake about it, he's still the landlord. The Bible says in Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, and the world, and they that dwell therein. He still owns this thing. And we are going to give an account for how we have managed what belongs to him. He said, you knew I was an austere man, that I would come back and cause you to give an account for how you have stewarded what I have entrusted to you. This thing belongs to him. He has leased it to mankind. Now, we know the enemy is trying to interfere with this lease agreement that God has with, 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 with man. But here's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying to you that we have authority over the enemy. Come on, somebody. And we have the ability to dispel darkness and to dispense light. We have the authority and the power to bring a manifestation of the kingdom of God within this earth. And when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a tenfold purpose to the millennial reign of Christ. And he, the last Adam, is going to do what the first Adam and his offspring has not done. And we will participate with him in finishing that job. My point being to you tonight is simply this, is that this earth lease is about to run out. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's about to end. This thing's about to end. Now, the Bible says in the book of Genesis, the sixth chapter, the Bible says, the, it says, the Lord spake, and he said this. He said that my spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. His days shall be a hundred and twenty sanas, years. The word sana literally means a division of time. An indication of an age. God is saying that his days shall be a division of 120. Catch what I just said. He said that his days shall be a division of 120. Many are quick to assume this to be the time that God gave the people of Noah's day to clean up their act and, repent, and to repent prior to the judgment of the flood. However, a closer study of key verses and the use of simple math will quickly contradict this view. Here's why I'm saying this. Because after this, you see that there is the case of multiple people living well beyond the 120 years after the flood. Come on, somebody. You're going to have to turn up your hearing aid and put your thinking cap on because I'm about to bring a lot of revelation on you tonight. Are you ready? So what we see here is, is that this 120 was not the period of time that God gave humanity to clean their act up. This 120 divisions of time was, was given by God to give us insight to the, to the mystery of the parable of Mark chapter 12 and verse 1. But this 120 has been, has been misunderstood for years. Then this leaves us with the question as to what the Lord was referring to. First, let me take just a moment and dispel some erroneous held beliefs. The Bible says in Genesis 5 in verse 32, And Noah was 500 years old, 500 years old, when he begot Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Understand that Noah did not preach 120 years as many have taught over the years and have falsely assumed. We must first understand and, and come to an understanding that when Noah was 500 years old, this is when he had these three boys at the age of 500. 
immediately after we have the sixth chapter account of God declaring a 120-year deadline and ordering Noah to build the ark. One would obviously assume here that he was 500 years old when he began to build the ark. And if you follow the natural progression, listen to me now, if you follow the natural progression of the Genesis account, you will see in Genesis chapter 7 and in verse 6, the Bible says, And Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were upon the earth. What am I saying to you? I'm saying to you that Noah begins to build the ark at 500 years of age and he enters the ark at the age of 600. So this only gives us a total of 100 years. What happened to the 120 years that God was going to give man upon the earth? We have 20 years that are unaccounted for. So the 120 years, the sanas that God gave man was not the time that Noah began to preach until the time he entered the ark. The scripture has clearly just showed us that that was a hundred year period. Somebody say amen. amen. The problem is, is that over the time, uh, the, uh, uh, over the time of church history and over most recent history, we have failed to understand what God says. See, God means what he says. Yet, his declarations do not always fall in line with what we expect them to mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, let me give you one example. One example is the warning that God gave to Adam when Adam was in the Garden of Eden. You remember what God said in Genesis 2 and in verse 17. God said this. God said in Genesis 2 and 17, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... Thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. For in the day that you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. This statement would have you to think, listen to me, this statement would have you to think of an immediate death. But how many know that's not what happened? Adam did not immediately die. In the Hebrew, the word actually means dying upon dying, you will die. In other words, through your disobedience, you will usher in a curse that the end result of that curse, it will bring death. But the point is, is that when God said in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die, Adam did not die. God was not referring to a 24-hour period of time, but a 1,000-year period of time. Write that down. A 1,000-year period period of time. Why? Because the Bible says in 2 Peter 3 and in verse 8, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Everybody shout one thing. Look at me. Say, say one thing. Understand this. He said, don't be ignorant of this one thing. You can be stupid about a lot of, lot of things tonight, but don't be stupid about this one thing. Hear me what I'm saying to you. He said, he said, don't be ignorant of this one thing. Don't ignore this one thing. You can ignore a lot of things. You can tune out a lot of things, but don't you dare ignore this one thing. This one thing is this, is that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day with the Lord. So what we see here is this. We see that Adam never lived one complete day in the eyes of God. See, let God be true and every man a liar. Come on, somebody. So when God says something, we don't always understand what God is saying. This is why we need the Holy Ghost to bring us into the revelatory intent of what God is trying to get across to humanity. I'm preaching better than you, amen, and... So what he says here is he says a day is as a thousand years, a thousand years is as a day. Adam never lived one complete day from God's perspective. He never lived one complete millennium. In fact, not only Adam, neither did any of his descendants live to see their 1,000th birthday. None of them did. So when God said in the day that you eat thereof you will die, God was true to his, to his word. 
Now watch what it says here. He says, in the day that you eat thereof. Now we understand that Adam, he fell short of one day. He lived 930 years upon the earth before he died. Where is that found? That's found in Genesis 5, in verse 5. And all the days of Adam he lived were 930 years, and then the Bible says he died. And when he stood before God, God said, I told you, and the day that you would eat thereof, you would die. You didn't live one complete day. You fell short of one day. And when you look at the oldest man in the Bible, who is Methuselah, the Bible says that he lived 969 years. And when you begin to break down the name Methuselah at the root, and from the etymology standpoint of Hebrew, you understand that the name Methuselah means, upon my death, judgment shall descend. So God supernaturally sustained Methuselah to live 969 years. And upon his death, his death was a prophetic sign to the world that judgment was going to descend upon the earth. And what I'm saying to you is, is that God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. As the heavens are high above the earth, so are his ways and his thoughts above the church's thoughts. But eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. I'm telling you, a revelation is about to slap you upside the head tonight. So we see that Adam lived 930 years. He fell short of one day. So you see that the 120 years are not directly connected to the life of Noah since the scripture only gives a 100-year account of his life before the flood. Are you with me so far tonight? The 120 is more directly tied to Adam. In fact... The 120 count starts with Adam and the creation. In Genesis 6 and 3, back to our text, in Genesis 6 and 3 when he said, he said man's day, the word man in Hebrew is Adam, is Adam. The word, the verse is more likely referring to Adam since all mankind originated from him and the 120 years is inclusive of all the generations beginning with Adam. Are you still tracking with me so far? All right. Let me help you to understand how we're going to break this 120 division down. First, you have to go to the book of Genesis again. And I want to show you something here on the seven days of creation. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 2 in verse 2, And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. Because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and that he made. Now, this seventh day is the day that we call the Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. We also refer to this day as the Shabbat. The Shabbat starts on Friday night and it ends on Saturday night. The first day of the week is Sunday. It's not Monday, according to God. We got this thing all jacked up in America. So what we see here is that there's something special about seven. There's something special about the Shabbat. The next instance of biblical patterns or cycles involves a seven-year cycle. You guessed it. The seventh year is a special year. The seventh year in Hebrew is called a Shemitah year. Everybody say Shemitah. It's a Shemitah year. The word Shemitah literally means to release. It was a time where outstanding debts were completely erased they were completely waived or they were completely forgiven. So not only was the seventh day special to God, but also the seventh year is special to the Lord as well. Now the Bible says in Leviticus 25 in verse 4, But in the seventh year this shall be a Sabbath of rest unto the land, a Sabbath for the Lord. Thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard. 
So not only was the seventh day special to God, but also the seventh year is special to the Lord as well. On the seventh year, every time the seventh year came, the land was to rest and all debts were to be waived and forgiven. And I wish somebody would send that to Capital One. Come on, somebody. Now, here's, an, here's, here's a key that we have to understand. The seven-year cycle, every seven years shall be a Shemitah. The seven-year cycle is a part of a larger cycle involving seven, seven-year cycles. Another way of explaining this is to count seven Shemitahs. Seven Shemitahs. A Shemitah is seven year. Seven Shemitahs would be 49 years. Are you with me? All right, now watch this. Once, once the seventh of these seven sevens is reached, or the seven Shemitahs are complete, this begins the 50th year, which is what is referred to in the scripture as a jubilee. You read about the Jubilee in Leviticus 25, verses 8 through 18. The Jubilee began during the beginning of the fall feast of the 49th year. I don't know if you know it right now, but the Feast of Trumpets just ended. We're right now in the, what's referred to as the Days of All. And this coming Tuesday will be Yom Kippur. And then following that will be the Feast of Tabernacles, the three final fall feasts. Now listen to me. So after you have seven Shemitahs, that's 49 years, he says in Leviticus 25, 8 through 18, that when you end the 49th Shemitah, that will begin the 50th, and 50 is referred to as a jubilee year. Stay with me. Remember our text that was found in 2 Peter 3 and in verse 8. He said, Beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. So what am I saying? I'm saying that the Bible is full of examples where God used patterns of seven to complete his agenda. The number seven, as you know, is a number that is a picture of completion. Seven days was, a, was what it took God to complete the earth. He rested on the seventh. And then you have seven feasts, which tell these seven feasts, which are not Jewish feasts. The Bible says in Leviticus, they are the Lord's feasts. These seven feasts tell God's complete story, his redemptive story for all of, huma uh, all of humanity, mankind. Now stay with me. The next logical step to the pattern would be to count every millennial, millennium as a day. According to biblical history, we are about to arrive at the end of the sixth day. That means we are on the sixth day of God's millennial week. If the pattern continues, then we will have a millennium of rest. The millennial week will be an exact copy of the seven days of creation, the seven days of the week. So how do we know if we have reached the end of the 6,000th year? Here, here's how we know. And this is where the Jubilees come in, and Noah's 120 count comes in. I believe that there is a mystery that I'm about to reveal to you as it relates to the earth lease of Mark chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3. I believe there is a mystery that is about to be solved tonight regarding the 120 divisions of time that God has granted to man. I believe that God is granting 120 jubilees to mankind. A jubilee happens every 50 years. And if you take 120, come on now, 120 divisions of time and you understand the pattern of Leviticus 25, what you see is God is saying, I'm going to give you 120 jubilees. Now, when you take 120 and times that by 50, because every 50 years is a jubilee, what you come to is the conclusion is 6,000. 
Six days, 6,000 years. I put on the students this morning a revelatory word that I wish I had time to release it right now, but I did it to my church this past weekend, and I unpacked to them scripturally uh, a verse upon verse, uh, individual upon individual, and I showed them the Hebraic year is not 5783. The actual Hebraic year that we in right now is 5980, and I'm telling you that the earth lease is about to run up, and the greatest event on God's calendar, the next one is about to unfold, and it's called the rapture of the church. You're getting ready to leave this world, honey. I'm telling you, this lease is running out, and I say, even so come quickly Lord Jesus and receive me under yourself that where you are there I may be also folks this lease is about to run out come on somebody I said this lease is about to run out when you study the genealogy starting from Adam all the way to Jesus, from Jesus all the way to today, we find ourselves at the Hebraic year 5980. And if you don't believe my research, then debate the research of Ken Ham and his team at the Creation Museum because their angle is one, uh, uh, coming at it one way, my angle is another way. I don't care how old the earth is, and I could care less what Bill Nye, the science guy, has to say. I don't want to enter into that debate. I just want to know what time it is. I said, I just want to know what time it is. Honey, I'm telling you that time is short. That's what I'm telling you. I'm telling you that we're about to hear a trumpet blast that's going to pierce every blood-bought saint who is buried in a borrowed tomb. There's about to be a resurrection. And I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is about to split the eastern sky. Hallelujah. Woo! So you got the jubilee happens every 50 years. 120 Times 50 is 6,000. So if you multiply, man's days shall be 120 by 50. This is how you get 6,000. Do you understand? Are y'all with me tonight? Is this too much on a Wednesday night? So let us suppose that the 120 sanas or division of time is referred to as years that God was talking about in Genesis 6-3 are in fact 120 jubilees that occur every 50 years culminating with the 120th jubilee. It turns out, it turns out that such calculations have already been figured by many scholars. The 119th Jubilee was calculated to have, occur have occurred in 1967 during the Six-Day War when Israel finally captured East Jerusalem and united the city completely under their control. In 1967, scholars have figured out that that was the 119th Jubilee since Adam. Are you with me tonight? Now, do you think it's coincidence, or do you think that God perhaps just might maybe have had his hand in the involvement of Israel recapturing the holy city of Jerusalem in 1967 on the 119th Jubilee? Is that accident, or do you think it's divine? Come on, talk to me. I believe it's divine. Don't you believe it's divine? I believe that God is large and in charge right now. I believe that God is working this thing. To him that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is expressing to the church even right now. Then, if that was the 119th Jubilee in 1967, oh yes. If we count 50 years from 1967, we come to the year 2017. If this is indeed accurate, we are now in the final seventh seven-week cycle where the 120th jubilee arrived in 2017 and you ask the question what's the big deal about this bishop here's the big deal the big deal is when you understand what happened on december the 6th of 2017 which happened to be the beginning of the 120th jubilee 
on May 14th, 19, uh, 2018, our former president, Donald J. Trump, made a decision to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. Fifty years after 1967, the declaration was made on December the 5th of 2017. And 2018, it was realized. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that's by coincidence? Or do you think that God had something to do with the decision that was made? I don't care if you like DJ or not. It's irrelevant to me. God can use men as vessels of honor or dishonor. Come on, somebody. And I don't care if you voted for him, you hate him. I don't care if you can't stand truth socially. It don't matter to me. I don't give a rip. God will use who he wants to use. And God used a real estate mogul to fulfill his prophetic agenda in 2017. The 120th Jubilee began in 2017. What am I submitting to you tonight? I'm submitting to you that the earth is in its final jubilee. I'm submitting to you tonight that the 120th and final jubilee, which will house the final events of human history, will happen on our watch. I'm saying to you, this is the terminal generation that will see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm saying to you that God is revealing in this hour prophetic mysteries from his word. He is revealing things to his prophetic voices. And I know that the Holy Ghost has brought this revelation and he is creating outlets for this word to get out because it is time for the kingdom of God to be activated in the earth. It's time for the church to quit playing games and sitting there like we know everything and start walking in an anointing, walking in a power, bringing a demonstration of the kingdom of God in this earth. Jesus said, these works that I do, greater will you do because I go to the Father. And if I go to the Father, I will send you another helper, another comforter, the paracletos, who will put you on like a glove and literally bring a manifestation of the kingdom of God in the earth. Come on, somebody. Woo! My goodness gracious. Look at two or three people and tell them that's a word. This is a word tonight. This is a word tonight. Here's what I'm here to do. I'm here to drop another prophetic word on this house. I'm telling you that time is short. The Bible says in Daniel 7 and 25 that the Antichrist, he would seek to change the seasons. Everybody say seasons. That's Moeds. Those are God's festivals, God's holy days. He's done that. He's done that. He's done a good job of doing that. We dress our children up like, like Easter bunnies and give them chocolate eggs and, and worship this God of Ishtar in the church. I know I'm not going to get invited back, but it's okay. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. It's all right. Listen to me now. We, we, we do these types of things. Can I tell you what that's a byproduct of? That's a byproduct of the mystery of iniquity already working in the church. That's a, that, that, is a, that is a byproduct of the spirit of antichrist that is already working in the church. And the church is celebrating holidays that God has nothing to do with. We have become so culturally relevant that we are no kingdom good for God in the earth. We've got to rid ourselves of these pagan traditions and come into the fullness of what God wants to do in this hour. And when we align ourselves with God and His Word, we're going to see Word results through our lives. What am I saying? I'm saying that He's already changed the times. That's what I'm saying to you. He's already changed the times. This is what I'm submitting. He's changed the times. One of the greatest, not only has he changed the seasons, he's changed the times. One of the most influential, I'm not going to say it by name. If your pastor wants to know, I'll tell him. But one of the most influential messianic organizations in, in, in the earth today who believe in Yeshua released a statement last year because there was much debate. I've been on this for a year and a half. There was much debate about what year it truly is. Let me quote to you what this man said. He said, from the reading of the Bible, the more biblical correct thing to do is to defer to the Jewish authority. 
The Bible says that when debates over the application of, of, of a commandment of Torah arises, we are to default to the Jewish authorities according to Deuteronomy 7, verses 8 through 13. A debate over reckoning of the calendar falls into this category. Today, this man is celebrating 5783. One of the biggest lies that the enemy wants to do, this is why he's changed the time, not just the season, is he wants you to think that you have more time than what you really do. I'm telling you, we don't have time. This is the time right now. Two-thirds of the name God is go, and I'm not going to subject my belief to a Jewish authority that rejects Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost in the heart of humanity. I am not going to put my belief in a God-denying uh, organization that denies that Yeshua is the Hamashiach, that He is the one true Son of the only begotten of the Father. I'm not going to go there. I cannot go there. But I'm going to go to the Word, and I'm going to see what the Word says. Come on, somebody. And if you'll just do the math and follow the genealogies yourself, you will see what Hebraic year that we're in. I'm telling you, time is short. We are in the 120th Jubilee. I'm telling you that. Even Sir Isaac Newton, the physicist. How many of you remember the physicist? Who happened to be a priest, even said apart from the scripture, even said that at the expansion rate of the universe, the earth cannot continue to exist beyond 2060. His words, not mine. He said that a combustion could happen and the earth could melt like wax. 15th century, you read in the scripture, God says, I'm not going to bring judgment upon the earth through flood again. I'm going to do it with fire. He will renovate the heavens and the earth with fire. When you study, when you study, I'm, I'm going to close this out real quick. I could teach on this all night long. It's 8.13. But listen to me. When you study this out and you study these parables, here's what you see. You see the parable of the good Samaritan. He picked up the man. He poured in oil. He poured in wine. He took him to the innkeeper. And the Bible says he gave this man, he gave this man Two pence. Everybody say two pence. That's 34 cents of, of today's value. That is a two days wage. 2,000 years. That's a two days wage. I'm giving you enough to take care of those that I save for two days. And when I come back, if you've went above and beyond the, what, what I have entrusted to you, then I will repay you when I return, is what your word says. I want you to look up a prophetic verse with me just real quick. I'm not going to read it to you. I want you to look it up yourself. I'll quote it to you as you look it up so you know that I'm just not just up here making stuff up. In Hosea chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he said, Come and let us return unto the Lord, for he has smitten us. But yet he will heal us and he will bind us up. The Bible says a prophetic verse. After two days he will revive us. And on the third day he will raise us up and we will live in his sight. I'm telling you that the two days, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus Christ was on this earth and the earth lease is running out. He has regathered Israel only to redeem them. The third day is about to begin and they're about to see him whom they have pierced. He's about to split that eastern sky, set his feet upon the Mount of Olives, walk through the Kidron Valley, sit upon the golden throne of his father David and the kingdoms of this world shall be the kingdom of our God. This time last year, I came into this house and I released a word about midnight. And I told you that this house would not operate under a double portion anointing, but a triple portion anointing. Out of Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to end where I started. Out of Matthew chapter 25 is where I came last year. And I told you that the three loaves were symbolic of friends that were coming. Your pastor sat 
at a little restaurant at 393 and 30A in Santa Rosa Beach with me a couple months ago. And he was telling me about the Cleveland campus, and he made this statement to me. I didn't know anything about the Cleveland campus. He made this statement to me. He said, and our youth in our children's section is three times the size of what we have downtown Chattanooga. I said, well, wait a minute, time out. I said, did you just say three times the size? He said, yes. I said, this is the beginning of the triple portion anointing that this house is walking in because this house is about sons and daughters and God has, has, has increased the space by three times in Cleveland. I'm telling you, he's lending you three loaves. Come on, somebody. Here's the problem. Five wise, five foolish virgins. Verse 7 says, Then all those virgins arose, and they trimmed their lamps at midnight. And the foolish said of the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, listen to me, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us. You, you go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. The Bible says in verse 10, And as they went to buy, the bridegroom came. We have taught that the oil here is the Holy Spirit. When you read Acts chapter 8, you don't buy the Holy Ghost. There was a man by the name of Simon that tried to buy the Holy Ghost. And he told him, you're going to perish with your money. You don't buy the Holy Ghost. What does the oil do? The oil is what causes the light to shine. Here's my point. This, the message of the kingdom from this house cannot go to the nations of this earth unless somebody is willing to invest their money into oil that can cause this light to manifest around the world. Here's what I'm saying. The five foolish came to the conclusion that they were out of time. And I'm telling you that we are out of time right now. I'm submitting to you tonight that time is about to run out. And there are people in the sound of my voice that's watching this broadcast tonight all over the nation. And I'm saying to you, you have the resources in your pocket. You have the ability to put oil into this lamp that would cause this light to shine. You have the ability to do it. And if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. I am committed to leave this world completely empty, giving all that I've got to the kingdom of God. I'm going to cause the light to shine from Santa Rosa Beach all around the world. I'm giving 100% of all that I am, all that I have, and all that God has trusted to me until all can see the glorious light of Jesus the Christ. I'm telling you it's time right now. Somebody shout, it's time. It's time for you to be all in. I'm telling you that Jesus is coming. It's time for you to be all in with your time. It's time for you to be all in with your talent. It's time for you to be all in with your treasure. You need to be all in. Somebody shout all in. I'm telling you it's now. It's now. Now faith is. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Start where you are. Use what you got. Do what you can do. Put oil into the, into the lampstand and let the light shine. Stand to your feet with me tonight. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, if I had two nights with you, I would take you through from Genesis to Revelation and walk you through exactly where we are. This thing is coming to an end, church. It's time to bring them in the days of being silent are over we've got to compel them to come it's midnight and the Lord is soon to return and there is a mantle on this house that is bigger than what any of you under the sound of my voice understand there is a mandate on this Assignment called redemption to the nations that is bigger and broader than what you could even comprehend right now. I am saying to this house that you are a part 
of God's end time prophetic agenda for the world is what I'm saying to you. God did not bring this revelation on 120 and 50 to every house. He brought it to this house. And I honestly feel in my spirit that this house is going to finish its race. It's going to finish its assignment. And of the increase of the anointing that God is going to bring, there is no limitation to it. The Bible says that when he was blessing the bread and the fish and distributing the fishes and loaves of the multitude, the Bible says that they could have eaten, they could have partaken of what God was doing in that moment as much as they would. The supernatural was willing, but somebody got tired. Somebody shut that movement down as much as they would. I'm telling every ministry to the sound of my voice. You need to think three times bigger than what you're thinking right now. I'm telling this house, you need to triple the plans that God, that, 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 that God has given you a glimpse of. You've seen through a glass darkly and dimly, but I'm here to bring clarity. There is a triple portion anointing on this house. Triple the plans in Jesus' name. Give and go buy it now. Put it in the lampstand now. Don't wait. Give it right now. All of your time, all of your treasure, all of your talent, you're all in. Everything's at his disposal. If you feel the weightiness of this tonight, and you say, yes, I'm all in. I want you to step out of your seat, and I want you to come to this altar, and I want you to commit your life anew to God tonight during these 10 days of awe. During these 10 days of all, I want you to come and I want you to search your heart and I want you to ask yourself, God, am I really in? Am I praying like I should be? Am I fasting like I should be? Am I studying like I should be? Am I volunteering like I should be? Am I soul winning like I should be? We're going to give an account for the time that he's given us. God, am I giving at the level that you've called me to give? Am I sowing? Am I advancing the kingdom? We're going to give an account. Don't believe the lie of the enemy. Time is one thing we don't have. It's high time. The day is at hand. The night is far spent. Work while it's day, for when night comes, no man will be able to, to work. I'm telling you that the earth lease is about to run out. I'm not saying that in 20 years from today that Jesus Christ is going to come back. He can put this thing on a day-to-day -day lease. He can put it on a month-to-month. -month. He's the landlord. He can do what he wants. I'm just telling you that I understand what the Scripture is clearly portraying and showing us. I see it. I see it. Here's what I'm going to have you to do tonight. There's no way that I can get to every one of you in this altar tonight. There's no way I can work to every one of you tonight. But I'm going to tell you, the Holy Spirit can. I want you to rend your hearts tonight. And I want you to dig in. And I want you to commit at a level to the Lord and to His kingdom that you have never committed. I want you to understand like the children of Issachar to be able to discern the time and the season that we're truly in. And say, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. The prophet Ezekiel, I'm almost done. The prophet Ezekiel made this statement. He said, I look for a man. The Lord said, I look for a man to make up the hedge. I look for a man to stand in the gap, but I found none. When you look at the word gap in the Hebrew, the word gap is a birthing word. God said, I was looking for a man to conceive what I wanted to do in the earth and to give birth to it through prayer and through preaching and through fasting, but I found none. May this be a house that is that conceives the heart and the plan of God and gives birth to this generation of the kingdom. Hallelujah. Ten days of all, we're in it. 
I want you right where you are to lift up both your hands right now and present yourself as a living sacrifice unto the Lord, holy and acceptable in His sight, which is your reasonable service. You will not conform to this world, but you are being transformed by the renewing of your mind in this very moment, in this very instant. You are being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And when you leave here, you will begin your mission of proving what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. He has showed thee, O oh man, what is, what, what is good and what does the Lord require of thee to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I want this house just to begin to lift up your voices and just begin to cry out to the Lord right now. God, we need a revival. Drop down that third loaf, O oh God. Drop down that third loaf tonight, Lord. May that triple portion anointing be realized in this hour, be realized in this moment. Your kingdom come, your will be done in this house. In the name of that's above all names, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Worship team, if you'd come up here and just help me to close this out. I want you just to continue to press in right where you are. Continue to press in right where you are. Come on, weep between the porch and the altar, as the prophet said. Weep between the porch and the altar. Cry out to him tonight. Pray in the Holy Ghost if you can pray in the Spirit all over this house. Turn this auditorium into Holy Ghost Jacuzzi tonight. Conceive the plan of God in your heart. Conceive the plan of God in your spirit. Commit to Him that you will protect it. Commit to Him that you will nourish it. Commit to Him that you will give birth to it for your family. That you will give birth to it for His kingdom. Oh, the winds of refreshing God's in your